Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. This is going to be a little bit different tonight. I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the series we've been in about being, amen, becoming a connect point. And not only am I going to do that, this is a bit of an unconventional Bible study. Normally I would have anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 verses of Scripture on any given night, Bible study night. But tonight we're going to look at just uh, one small group of verses from the words of Christ that teach us a powerful lesson. And I felt very strongly directed of God to talk about this tonight, and I'm not going to read into that too much. When I felt the direction, I didn't start asking God, well, who, what, why? I just said, okay, we'll do that. Amen. So hopefully we can all just open our hearts tonight and let God speak to us a little bit. The 17th chapter of the book of Luke, and this chapter, Jesus does a lot of talking, and he talks talks about to them and their activity and how they are supposed to interact with one another. He discusses and how they interact with those around them and and their own awareness of themselves. And there's a lot of things that happen in this chapter, but I want to just look at verse 3, and we'll look down through 6. Jesus says two words at the beginning of verse 3 that that ought to grab our attention. When Jesus says, take heed, everything in the Bible is important. But there are things, there are phrases scattered throughout the Bible as you read and study that are specifically designed that we would maybe think about what we're reading. And then he says, take heed to yourselves. By say yourself. Take heed to yourself. There was a funny little, little meme video that went around a few years ago. Worry about yourself. Anybody remember that one? That little kid? We're about yourself, that little kid. That was cute. Jesus says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, that's a good request, isn't it? That's a good request. Maybe I I ought to say that more to God. Increase my faith. Increase our faith is a reply. And so the Lord says to them in verse 6, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root. And be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. I'm going to talk about this a little bit tonight. I want to talk about this this sycamine tree that Jesus is talking about. 
And everybody said, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Give somebody an ear five. Tell them they look, sure look good in God's house. I want to compliment you on this is a great Wednesday night crowd. Thank you for being here. Amen. Amen. Your presence here says to me, it says to the people around you, it says to to heaven and hell that this is important to you, that the Bible and the study thereof is important to you. And it also says you like to be around apostolic people. I like to be around apostolic people. In fact, I would rather be around apostolics than anybody in the world. Amen? I just enjoy being around apostolic people. Jesus is speaking. He's doing a lot of that in these chapters of Luke. There's so much here you can dive into. And he says, take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Take heed, be aware, pay attention, wake up, listen, watch, understand what is happening to you, understand what is happening around you. The key is understand. Somebody say understand. Understand. Folks, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on in our day-to-day routine. There's a lot happening in the spirit. There's a lot happening in the flesh. We gotta be aware of what is happening. We gotta be awake. We gotta be paying attention. We gotta understand our involvement to what is happening. We gotta understand our connection to the things that are taking place around us. Too often it's just, it's easy for us to just Go off without knowing all the facts. Just to go into a full-on rant without really knowing the details of the situation. To get going and get loud and get boisterous and get animated before there's even a conclusion to the matter. we got to understand that too often we get involved in things that are not our place. Amen. It can be very frustrating to put yourself in the middle of something that you cannot affect at all. Am I right? When you you put yourself in the middle of a situation that you have no effect over that situation whatsoever, there's nothing but frustration there. Frustration that leads to anger. Too often we get involved in those types of things or too often we fail to own our own behavior. Amen. One of the reasons why our world has gotten so infatuated with getting in everybody else's business is because we don't want to get in our own business. Amen. It's easier to point fingers and talk about other people and talk about what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing and how they don't know what they're doing because we don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and think we don't know what we're doing or we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. Amen. So we have these relationships with other people. We interact and we connect with the people around us. And Jesus says, if thy brother trespass against thee. Now that word brother is is literally or figuratively, it's not talking about just your fleshly brother. But the key here I want to focus on is trespass. 
to trespass against you. It's, it's morally, it's sinfully. They did you wrong. They hurt you. They wronged you. These are things that we can deal with routinely in our day. Isn't it somehow amazing that someone we've never met in our lives can hurt us? That someone we've never had a conversation with can somehow affect our day. And it never is for the positive, is it? It never seems to be for the positive. So he says, if thy brother trespass against thee, the trespass, he says, rebuke him. Now, before we get too excited about that, the word rebuke means to admonish, to admonish. And to admonish someone can be done in, in different ways, actually. Three of those may be to, to, to warn them or even reprimand someone firmly. But another way to admonish them would be to advise them or to, to urge them earnestly. Or, or it would be to warn someone of something that they need to avoid. So maybe it's not them as much as it's something they're about to do. Maybe it's not their activity at the moment, but it's the road they're on. That they need admonished, they need a warning, to, that, that there's some things they need to avoid in that particular direction and there may be a time and place for for all three of the things that I just mentioned but I, this is the key that we have to get from this is that all of them are meant as a help to them and not a hurt to them he does not say if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him so you can cut his legs out from under him so you can make him feel bad it's not so that you can hurt them or wound them or show your dominance over them. In fact, it's the opposite. It's not to hurt them at all. We, it's done to help them. And if it's not done in the spirit of help, then it's not going to help. A rebuke in the form of, from a mean spirit is not going to help anybody. But from a place of love, it can if he repent, he says, forgive him. So the goal is that your activity towards them would cause them to respond correctly to you, which is how we know that a rebuke is not how we get to punch someone in the stomach and then laugh at them. Because the goal is not for them to be hurt and shamed, the goal is for them to desire to repent over what they did. Right? And so how I approach that matters. So if he repents, forgive him. Now, just so we know, we'll get to more of it in a minute, but this is not a license to withhold forgiveness for a lack of repentance. We don't get to withhold forgiveness because they didn't ask for it. Christ is about to give us a perfect example of what happens when we withhold forgiveness. However, it might help some of us that may have dealt with uh, recurring wounds in your life, someone who re re repeatedly is hurting you, someone who is attacking you on a regular basis, and you're trying to deal with this issue of how many times do they get to come to me and say, I'm sorry. Jesus says that even if they ask for forgiveness seven times in a single day, we should forgive them. 
Now, that means they have to want forgiveness. All right? He says if they ask, they have to want forgiveness. It says that they have to return again each time and ask for it. So they don't get to just be mean and crude and abusive and just it's understood that you're going to forgive them each time. Right? They have to want it. They have to return again. They have to ask for it. And grace says that God forgives us of all of our sins. How many are thankful for grace? But there's this cheap grace that is being preached in the world. There's cheap grace that is being believed on in our society that says that God will forgive us even when we don't repent. This is not true. Don't let the devil get you messed up on which is which. Because one will allow you to find forgiveness and, and eventually, if you, if you do right, stay right, live right, well, you can make heaven your home. One will, having you think, will have you thinking you're saved while really you're on a fast track to hell. But to the people Jesus is truly talking to here, He's really talking to those who are being asked to forgive. He's not really talking about the one that's doing the asking. He's making a point about those who are being asked. And he uses the perfect example to teach us about what happens when we don't forgive. He wants to teach us about bitterness. He wants us to understand the power of bitterness. So look at the wisdom of Christ. The sycamine tree had a very large and a very deep root system, root structure. The sycamine tree was known to have one of the deepest root structures of all the trees in the Middle East. It would grow to a height of about 30 feet. Its root system was so deep that it was very difficult to kill the tree. The tree, because of its root system, was not affected by atmospheric issues. Drought really didn't affect it, and heat didn't really affect it. It would tap into water sources deep into the earth. All of these seem very positive. And there are other verses of Scripture talking about other trees that we could preach differently. But the sycamine tree, because of the way it was designed and because of how its system worked, it was very hard to eradicate it. Simple, simply changing the environment around it would not kill it. And Jesus is teaching here about, he's really teaching about bitterness. He's really teaching about what we allow to get into our spirit and how that affects us. And how our actions and other people's actions affect our thinking and our behavior. And one of the things that he's talking about is, is that bitterness must be dealt with at the root level. A, a change in your surroundings is not going to fix it. I'm going to say that again. 
Just changing your surroundings is not going to fix it. Uncontrollable anger or a facade of happiness is not going to fix it. You can throw everything you want to throw. It's not going to fix it. Break everything you want to break. It's not going to fix it. You can burn every picture of them. It ain't going to fix it. You can walk around like everything's fine. You can put a smile on your face and you can tell the whole world that you're fine. Everything's fine. You're doing good. But that's not going to fix it. The roots of bitterness reach the soul. Cut it down on a surface level and it will only grow up again. And again and again and again. So often people deal with bitterness routinely in their life. They deal with it on issues where uh, they, they can't get along with this coworker, so they have to change, uh, uh, they have to move over to that station, but now they can't get along with that coworker. And this boss is this, and this boss is that, so they got to get a different job, but now this boss is bad too. And they can't get along with their brother, so they got to call their sister. But after a few calls with the sister, they can't get along with their sister. You cut it down on the surface level, and it will only grow up again and again. The sycamine tree's wood was the preferred wood for building caskets. In Egypt and the Middle East, they considered it to be uh, the preferred wood for building caskets and coffins. It grew quickly and in nearly any environment, making it accessible to many different places. It also grew in very dry conditions, the kind of conditions in the Middle East is famous for. And so it grew very, very quickly in almost any condition. Bitterness grows very, very quickly if it's not dealt with quickly. And it does not take notice, nor does it care over who it destroys in the process. You can't fill it. You can't give it enough. It always wants more. It can grow in any environment, including the church house. It doesn't worry about cultural backgrounds. It doesn't care about rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your family history is or what your name is or what your position is. None of that matters. Bitterness can grow anywhere. Little rain doesn't matter. Dry conditions doesn't matter. Didn't affect the sycamine tree. Spiritually dry people are prone to bitterness. Well, nobody's running and shouting yet tonight. <laughs> yeah. No repentance. Joy. Fresh rain of the Holy Ghost. No love. No humility. Bitterness is likely present. Can't seem to produce any fruit that anybody wants to have. 
Of course, it was good for caskets. It was great for caskets because it was readily available and it was very hard. People who get bitter get very hard. Hard-headed. Amen? Bitterness is everywhere. Bitterness is deadly. In fact, bitterness will kill you faster than most sins will. Because it's a casket that encloses you and buries you spiritually. It kills joy. It steals peace. It eradicates your spiritual life. The sycamine tree produced a fig that was very bitter to eat. In fact, the sycamine tree and the mulberry tree were very similar in appearance. The two trees even produced a a fruit that looked identical. However, the fruit of the sycamine tree was extremely bitter. It looked just as luscious and delicious as a mulberry fig, but when a person tasted the fruit of the sycamine fig, he discovered it was horribly bitter. Mulberry figs were delicious. Because they were delicious, they were expensive. That sounds right, don't it? They were delicious, and so they were expensive. And because of the cost of this fruit, it was primarily eaten by wealthier people. But the sycamine fig was cheap and therefore affordable to poorer people because the poor couldn't afford the luscious mulberry fig. They instead would munch on the sycamine fig as a substitute. But it was so bitter that it couldn't be eaten whole. You couldn't just throw it back in your mouth and enjoy the pleasantry of it. In order to consume an entire sycamine fig, the eater had to nibble on it a little bit at a time. And after a pause, the eater would return to nibble at it again. But they could never devour an entire piece of this fruit at one time. It's just too tart, too pungent, too bitter to eat at one sitting. Jesus shows that the fruit of bitterness and the fruit of unforgiveness is bitter. It's pungent. It's strong. It's too much for any one time. And so people who are bitter will often chew on that bitterness a little bit at a time for a long time. They nibble on bitterness for a while. Then they pause to digest what they've eaten. They nibble on bitterness for a while. And then they talk about it with someone. Gossip about it with someone. Then then they return to to their table. They start nibbling on bitterness again. They can't take it all at one time. It's too grotesque. It's too much, but a little bit. And then maybe they'll walk away from the table and maybe they'll seem to have a good day, maybe even a good week, but because they don't deal with the issue, because they don't open their heart before God and ask him to examine them 
because they don't ask for forgiveness, because they don't deal with things between their brother, their sister. They can take momentary seeming lapses away from the table of bitterness, but they're never really disconnected because even when they're not eating it, flavor lingers in their mouth. And before long, they find themselves going back to the table of bitterness again because though they hate it, they can't seem to get enough of it. Though it detests them, and disgust them. They can't seem to get away from it. They think about it. They analyze it. They talk about it. If not to others, to themselves. They justify their bitterness. And bitterness makes one spiritually poor. which is the worst kind of poor. Frequently defeated, depressed, spiritually sick, that leads to physically sick, angry and anxiety-filled. A bitter person goes into their day after day. They think themselves to have been wronged, stung by another's behavior, stung by someone else's actions. The sycamine tree was pollinated only by wasps. It's a very interesting thing to note that the sycamine tree was not naturally pollinated like most other things are. The pollination process was only initiated when a wasp stuck its stinger right into the heart of the fruit. And when it would stick its stinger right into the heart of the fruit, then and only then would the pollination process work and thus the tree and its fruit had to be stung in order to be reproduced. I've been stung by that person once before, but I'm not going to get stung by them again. They hurt me, so I'm never talking to them again. They said something mean about me, so they're cut off. They wounded me, so they're on, they're on the bad list. If your bad list is growing longer each day, you might want to look in the mirror. If the people you can't stand to be around keeps getting longer, you might want to analyze your own spirit. Have you ever considered that maybe the devil the devil may have specifically designed that sting. Have you ever considered that maybe there was more to it than just somebody wronging you out of the blue? That maybe the devil worked his way into an open heart and used them to sting you? hoping that instead of dealing with it the way you're supposed to deal with it, 
instead of forgiving, hoping that you would internalize and overanalyze and let yourself become bitter. Devil's only object was to pollinate your heart with bitterness. He just wanted you to become a person that would reproduce bitterness wherever you go. Because bitter people hurt other people. Because a person who's been stung and become bitter will sting others. Because the only thing we hate more than bitterness is being alone in our bitterness. We need some other people to be bitter too. We need some other people to be bitter too. So he used the wasp of bitterness to sting you and lead you into a dark place, a place where you lose a place where you refuse to forgive, a place where you cannot and will not then be forgiven by God. It's been a while, so I'll remind us all tonight. Your heavenly Father cannot, will not forgive us of our sins if we refuse to forgive those who have sinned against us. He will not go against his word. He will not go against his own righteousness and his own justice. He will not forgive me if I refuse to forgive someone else. So you can fight it and fight it and fight it and wonder why it's not getting better. And you can try and justify routinely to God why it's okay to feel the way you feel because they did this and they said that and they acted in this way against me. And so I will never forgive them for what they've done to me. And then you can cry and seek it with tears and pour out yourself on an altar and ask God desperately to forgive you, but he will not. He will not. Go ahead, he says, and leave your sacrifices there at the altar, but you need to leave the altar and go make it right. And go make it right. You say, well, what if I go to them and they refuse to repent and they refuse to say they're sorry? You got it wrong. You're supposed to go to them and ask them to forgive you. You say, I didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't matter. Oh, how I wish people would grasp this. It doesn't matter. There is, there, this is not about a, a, a score sheet on the wall. This is not about the details of the situation. This is not about, well, you, this is how the conversation went. See, I started with this, and then they're the one that brought that up. I didn't bring that up. They brought that up, and so then I responded with the other. No, it's not, it doesn't, none of that matters. 
All that matters is that your heart is right with God. That's all that matters. Whether they forgive you or don't forgive you. Whether they repent or don't repent. Whether they change or don't change. Matters not at all to the, your soul. Your soul being right with God is what matters. It's all that matters. But when we don't act in the way we're supposed to act, we don't deal with things the way we're supposed to deal with things. When we, when we hold on to things we never were supposed to hold on to, Yes, they wounded you. But why are you still carrying that around? They hurt you, but God healed you. They wounded you, but God made you whole. They spoke angrily and hate-filled to you, but God spoke lovingly to you. They knocked you down, but God picked you up. So why are you still holding on to what they did? Why not instead focus on what he did? People who should be celebrating deliverance instead wallowing around in the pig pen of pain and heartache that they were delivered from, but they refused to leave. At some point, you're just breaking your own heart over and over again. Do you understand what I'm saying? They hurt you. They wounded you. They broke your heart. God healed you and made you whole. But because you won't let it go, you're just breaking your own heart again. They did it once. Imagine this with me if you could. They hurt you once. You've hurt yourself thousands of times since. And you're still blaming them for what they did when really it's you. It's an interesting thing, this, this issue of self-harm. It's a desperate thing. It's an act of desperation, people who cut themselves, hurt themselves, find hidden places that no one will see and hurt themselves. It's an act of desperation. There's so much pain going on inside. So much heartache and pain and disgust over things that have happened that they've done, that others have done. That to try to escape that pain within, they cause pain without. What I'm telling you is when you allow these things to get rooted, in your life. You've got to take some drastic measures to get it out.
The goal of bitterness is to keep reproducing itself until you're overcome. The sting of the sycamine is, is, is designed to not just be a one-time thing, but to reproduce the bitterness. And unless you do something about it, it will not go away on its own. You're not just going to wake up someday and be no longer bitter. I need you to hear, Pastor, today. You're not just going to wake up some morning and the, the sun's going to be right, the temperature's going to be right, and the activity list for the day is going to be right, and you're just going to be free from bitterness. It's not going to happen. Jesus said, after the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. We need help with this. <laughs> Anybody there? Lord, we, we need help with this because, because there are people that are doing things more routinely. Let me tell you something you got to be careful about. And I said it, I alluded to it earlier. But who are you going to allow to cause you pain? Because if the guy on the radio gets to wound you, or if the newscast person giving the nightly news gets to wound you, you understand what I'm saying? If the activity of life that you have very little control over gets to wound you. Oh, hallelujah. If it gets to wound you that they got the raise instead of you. If that gets to wound you. If you applied for the job and you didn't get it, so that gets to wound you. If you didn't get invited to the cookout, so that gets to wound you. If your guy didn't win, so that gets to wound you. If people make decisions that drive you crazy, but that gets to wound you, you see, what are we going to allow to wound us? Because all of these things that we allow to wound us are all stings. It stings. And the devil's trying to sting the heart. Because if he can get it into the heart, he can plant bitterness that goes all the way to the root. And then it doesn't matter. The environment can change. The relationship can change. Everything can change. But the bitterness will not go away. It won't go away. And so Jesus says to them, after they say increase our faith, he said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, 
Be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now, I'm not going to go down the list of the mustard seed. You know the issues, the story of the mustard seed. It's very small, right? It's small. It's a small seed. Jesus is saying that this is not really something that takes a whole lot of faith to deal with. He's saying, I know it's a big, it looks big. I know it survived a lot of stuff. And I know its root system goes very deep into the earth. But it really doesn't take a whole lot of faith, hallelujah, to get bitterness out of your life. Bitterness is only as strong as you allow it to be. Bitterness is only as deep as you allow it to be. Bitterness only lasts as long as you allow it to be. But the moment you realize, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to wake up feeling like this and go to bed feeling like this. He says as long as you can get a little bit of faith and speak to it, it'll be rooted up and you can tell it to be cast into the sea. Cast it into the sea where it will be completely enveloped, where it will be completely drowned will have no power. Well, you don't have to see it anymore. Think about it anymore. Deal with it anymore. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know why God, I don't know. I promise you, standing right here, right now, there's not a name in my mind. There's not a family. There's not a person. So if you think I've been looking at you, <laughs> I'm telling you, just, there you go. But this is not a response to anybody, anything anybody's done. It's not, this is not me pastoring in the sense that we've got a problem I need to deal with. I don't know why God wanted me to talk about this. But he did. And he's simply reminding us tonight. You see, what I feel in my spirit is that there's... The, the amount of fiery darts seems to be magnified. It seems as if it's getting harder to even go through the day without somebody that just saying something or doing something that I think is so dumb. <laughs> and I'm not talking about you. You guys are doing great. But doesn't it seem like just every avenue by which, I mean, so now every, I guess there's a new social thing now, right? We're all supposed to leave Facebook and go to somebody else's thing. How long do you think that new thing is going to be good? Like parlor, is that what it's called? Parlor? You think that's going to be good for very long? I don't think so. I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I remember, you remember, when Facebook came on the scene. And everybody was like, this is fun. <laughs> I can, 
Would you looky there? I haven't seen them in 20 years. They haven't changed a bit. Facebook killed something, though, didn't it? What did it kill? What was before Facebook? MySpace. Mm. Facebook was great. MySpace had a bad day. These, it seems as if, you say, well, I'm not going to do social media. I'll just, I'll just listen. I'll just watch the TV. Yeah, it's not going to work. I can't do that. I'll just rent a video. That's not working either. I'll just turn on the, the radio. Now they're commentating. <laughs> Maybe if I listen to sports talk. And now there's a commercial that they're playing about how I'm supposed to live my life. And it's fiery darts, feels like. Why can't everybody just leave me alone? The days of being left alone are gone. Behind all of it, some of it's just surface issues, shallow into the pool nonsense, and some of it's deep spiritual battles. But behind all of it is an enemy trying to make you unhappy. And I don't mean that we're, I don't mean happy in the happy, happy, happy way. Let me better say, there's something trying to steal your God-given joy. It's trying to steal your joy, and it's trying to sting you. So it can get bitterness in your spirit. Because if you've got bitterness, you're not going to forgive anybody. You're not going to care about anybody. You're not going to be concerned about anyone else's soul. If I'm bitter, I'm not fulfilling the Great Commission. If I'm bitter, I'm not disciple-making. I'm not teaching Bible studies. I'm not going over to meet my neighbors and loving on them. I'm not opening my home up as a connect point where people can meet Jesus. If I'm bitter, I'm just bitter. You can't be bitter and something else. If you're bitter, you can only be bitter. But Jesus said, with a little bit of faith, just a little bit, you might say, he says, <laughs> I like the way it's worded, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say, under this sycamine tree. Be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted into the sea and it should obey you. And so I just want to remind everybody tonight, no matter what they did, you did, no matter what, you got to deal with it. You got to deal with it quick. You got to deal with it quick. Because we don't have time for bitterness. We don't have time to wallow around in the pig pen. 
We don't have time to do that. We got too much to do and too little time to do it in. Right? We got too much to do and too little time to do it in. We don't have time for bitterness. So you got to make it right. You got to get it right. Get your heart right. Speak faith. Pull it up by the root and cast it into the sea. Stand with me if you would tonight, please. What Jesus is actually saying is when you speak to it with faith, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to get superhuman strength to go over there and pull the tree up by the roots and throw it into the sea. You can look at your own weakness and analyze your own inability, but that's a waste of time. What he's saying is speak to it by faith and then he will take care of getting it out. It's got to it's got to get out. And it's got to be destroyed. You can't just leave it there. Amen. But with a little bit of faith, God will take care of the rest. We are going to be finding ourselves surrounded more and more by people who are bitter. You're going to be dealing with bitterness on a regular basis. I don't necessarily even mean you, perhaps, but we need to be aware of this issue in people's lives. Because when you go to be a witness, when you go to be light and salt, when you go to, be, to talk to someone about Jesus, more and more as the days go, you're going to run into bitterness. Amen. And when you run smack into bitterness, you're going to feel as if there's nothing I can do here. But that's not true. It's not true. You can't cast it out of them for them. They have to deal with bitterness their own, but you can help them to see that they don't have to live that way by understanding where they're at, having understanding about why they are the way they are and how they got there, and knowing that there's a God that can do what they think can't be done. If you know that and you help them to know that, that's going to help us to be light and salt on a greater level than we've ever been before. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.